0: This is episode 71 of the Kindred Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Sue Allen. Friends, thanks for tuning into the show today. Please forgive my voice, I have a bit of a cold. This episode is about stress and stuff how the clutter and mess of our homes disrupts our peace. Our guest is Tara Bremer, who owns House Peace, a company that helps people restore peace to their homes through organization. She is delightful and has a lot of wisdom. I hope you enjoy the conversation that we have. Coming up next month in episode 72, Jim and Lynn Jackson will be here to bring wisdom and encouragement to all of us. And I wanted to let you know about an online class they have available that will begin on February 4th, which is a little bit before their episode airs. But you need to know about this course. This is what they had to say about it. Your kids will mess up, and so will you. Connected Families believes that the perfect time to build wisdom and grow your relationship with your kids is during the messy times. They've developed an eight-session online course called Discipline That Connects With Your Child's Heart. It is only offered twice a year, so register today. Use coupon code KINDREDMOM for 10% off. You can find the link and details of that class in our show notes for today. Also, episode 73, which is just after that, features Wendy Snyder of Fresh Start Family. She is a positive parenting educator who helps families build healthy, cooperative relationships. She has a free five-day challenge to help give you tools and increase confidence so your kids will listen better in 2020. It's totally free and begins on January 27th. You can also find the link for that in the show notes today. Thanks for listening. Today, I'm really pleased to be welcoming a guest who is going to share some of her experience about creating peace at home, especially in living spaces, simplifying and things that are very practical when it comes to pursuing peace in our homes. And I have my co-host Lynn Patty here to join me in welcoming Tara Bremer. Tara, thank you for being here.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is so fun.
0: Yeah, I would love for you to give us just a, a peek into your life, um, what kind of family you have, where you live in the country, and just give us a snapshot of your life.
1: Okay. Well, my name is Tara Bremer. I live in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, I've been here almost 11 years. Um, I've been married for 1 million years. Actually, <laughs> no, 22. Yes. And just a few days. I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, and we have three kids. Um, I have an eighth grade boy, a fourth grade boy, and a grade girl. Um, and so my sons are my biological sons. And my daughter was adopted from China um, several years ago. She's been home for over six years.
0: Mm, uh, that's
1: wonderful. Also, um, it turns out, I don't know if y'all know this, uh, but Birmingham is what I call the hotbed of international adoption. Mm. And... I, when we moved here from upstate New York, uh, we're not from there, but we lived there a long time. We were Birmingham. Oh, okay, well, that's weird. And we had already done all of our adoption stuff and paperwork, and we were logged into China. And we moved here, and all of a sudden we were like, oh my gosh, God brought us here. Yeah. There are so many families who've adopted internationally here, particularly from China, but also um, other parts of the world. So um, it's been a really cool adoptive community around here.
0: That's wonderful.
1: Uh, yeah. But I will say this, and, and y'all have y'all have lots of kids, um, <laughs> so I think you'll appreciate this maybe more than I do. But um, bringing a third child into my life was extraordinarily um, difficult for me. Yeah, um, and you know we had the complications of adoption, um, meaning you know she was a toddler when she came home, so you've got to deal with all that baggage. But managing a home of three kids um really threw me for a loop. And so I found that organizing, I mean, I already always knew that I like to organize, but at that time in my life, organizing was kind of like a stress relief for me. Yeah. Um, because when you have all these variables of children and attachment stuff and whatnot, um, you know, it, life can be kind of unpredictable. But you know what isn't it, what is predictable? <laughs> you can you can have control over yes. a jungle. You can Make a job work really hard for you. And it it just felt good to me. So um, I started the business. uh,
0: My business is called House Peace. Um, I started that maybe six months Mm -hmm. after my daughter came home Mm -hmm. from China. Well, I so appreciate you sharing that because it just gives us some context for what brings you to this topic with some experience and with some view into our home spaces. And I guess I would love to just hear from you um, some thoughts about having a vision for what you hope for in the home that you live in because I think. For myself, um, it's taken me a long time to realize what I'm even after here <laughs> because there's, you know, just the functional everyday using the space that we come and go. We have stuff everywhere. There's you know, things that we really need to use that don't necessarily all have a place. And so I just love to hear from you how you guide people in just getting the concept in their mind of what they might want their home to be for their family.
1: Well, I think that. The old phrase uh, "a place for everything and everything in its place" is is true, and I think that when we don't have places for things, we end up um, in chaos. Of course, but our hearts are in chaos. Not just can we not find our keys, but we're mad um, and we're stressed. And I, I mean, I quote this all the time. But there's there was a study done that showed that women's cortisol levels, uh, the stress hormone, goes up as clutter goes up, and I definitely feel that. I come, I come in. Um, if my house is in chaos, say I've been out for a few hours or whatever, and, and my family's destroyed it. It does happen, um, and <laughs> i start playing what my husband calls "whack-a-mole," where I'm like, "Who of this? Get this!" For I'm, like, I'm already you know, barking out orders. And there's just so there's a part of me that just is like, "This isn't. This isn't right. This isn't peaceful." We can take care of our things a little better, and take care of our home a little better. So. I think the driving force for me is saying there's a different way. We can live in a different way. And and I go back to concepts like I think about, say, a nurse's station or a cafeteria or a camp. There's a place for everything. You know, when you go to, back to your nurse's station um, where you're going to find the syringes and they're going to be labeled and inventoried. And that makes it very clear for people who are on different shifts or someone uh, pinch hitting for somebody. Um, and I just kind of felt like there's no reason my house can't work in a similar way. I'm not trying to create, uh, you know, a, a regimented place that's not warm and welcoming. Cause I, I do think my home is warm and welcoming, but everybody's going to know where the batteries are, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's never gonna be a question where the checkbook is. It is always in the same place. So I do a lot of, um, labeling, um, to make sure my whole family's on board. I mean, I've got all three of my kids are readers. They they are of reading age. And even little guys who know just their ABCs, uh, they can start to know and, and recognize, oh, this this container says B. I know that mom said batteries are somewhere over here. I bet this is the batteries and they open it, it's batteries um, or whatever. So I, I just think that I think the whole family can be part of the solution, even though in my world, I am the driver of that. I am the whack-a-mole. Well, of course. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> My family, they know, they know, and they can help and they can, they can be a part of the solution. So Tara,
2: like I am a champion whack-a-mole player in my house. I (laughs) love that imagery because I really feel like that is what I do. And I think that like what you're saying, when you're playing whack-a-mole, it's gotten a little ahead of you and you're not sort of driving the, the cart or whatever. (laughs) Um, so I was just wondering if you could give us some ideas about where to start. Like, let's pretend we have a house that is just really not a lot of uh it's not very organized. Where where would you recommend starting? This is this is hard and and this is why my my business model is so
1: custom to a client because people are so different. I usually try to Ask people what what makes you the maddest. What, what makes you the <laughs> mad? And let's do that because there's no reason to be mad at our own house. We want our house to work hard for us. So um, you know, for some people, that's the kitchen. A- and I do give a caveat, which is kitchens, in my opinion, are the most time consuming and supply heavy of organizing. So it, that might be a hard place to start, just because you're not going to see immediate results as quickly as you might. Um, as you might want. So maybe someone could just say, you know what, this drawer, this junk drawer, I will have mastery over that and I will have it today. Right. Um, and I think that that's perfectly fine. So say, say you just want to have a little control in your life. Let's empty the drawer out, take every single thing out of the drawer and put it on the counter. Clean the drawer out, You know, get your vacuum or your dustbuster and clean it, wipe it. I like to put drawer liners in drawers um, because it makes things not slide around as much. But then the most important thing is to divide it up. We want to divide as much as possible in our entire house. So whether you go get supplies at Walmart, or maybe you've got some iPhone boxes you can throw in there, um, let's let's designate a place for pens. Let's designate a place for scissors and write it on there, and everybody's on the same page. Um, you know, if someone's really struggling um, with, a closet, then you can start in the closet. But the main thing is uh, to give yourself time and kind of make an appointment. Um, it's so easy to get distracted when you're working in your home, especially when you work from home, or maybe you homeschool, or maybe you know you're maybe you don't um, work outside the home at all. But like. I personally work from home a lot and it's so easy. I'm like, I'm just going to go throw this. I'm going to go throw the, the clothes in the dryer real quick. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to, you know, get ahead with dinner real quick. And that's fine, except it, it will derail you from organizing. I like to say, walk off a period of time, invite a friend over, hire a company, you know, whatever it is. And that appointment is kind of sacred. And that will give you the time to yeah. not be distracted. That's one way to wow. start.
0: That's. Awesome. I'm curious, just... Having been in a rhythm of this yourself, obviously, this is a high priority for you and something you spend time on in your own house. What is the last thing that you decluttered personally at your own house? Uh,
1: bedding. I had some bedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, again, I try to use my my irritations to lead me. And I was very irritated with my own bedding <laughs> yeah. on my bed. I couldn't figure out why why was I not comfortable under my covers? And I finally figured out my quilt was too heavy. It's Alabama, you know, it, it's too heavy. so I got a new one and I immediately got rid of the okay. old one. I'm not putting it to use later. I donated it to someone who could use it. Um, so that was actually, that was Monday. And guess what? After we get off of this, um, recording, I am going to do a live video on my Instagram because my boy's closet needs attention. And I'm like, you know what? That might be kind of yeah. fun. Um, for people to see how it, how it looks
2: real life. You know, can you talk a little bit about the people that you've worked with and some of the changes that you've seen in their, like the more spiritual slash personal slash heart space because of the work that you've done with them in their homes? Sure. I have
1: one particular woman who comes to mind. She was one of my OG clients back when I first started She's become a friend, um, but one thing she said to me, and I don't remember the square footage of her house, but it's big. It's a really big house. Um, turns out, see, I know you, you guys are probably in a different situation, but in Birmingham, you can get a lot of house for uh, a book, you know? Um, but like, she, she had a lot of square footage and just from her own faith perspective, for her own personal journey with the Lord, she was like, you know what? Yeah. I don't feel it's right for me to fill up this space. I think I should have some shelves. I think there should be, I don't think I need to own this many objects in my life. It just didn't feel good to her. And that was the impetus for her calling us. And over the years, actually, we've done a number of jobs for her because she's on a journey, right? So she may have been the beginning of that, we'll call it organized living journey, but now she's further along. And as she moves along, she's like, oh, I can get rid of more Mm -hmm. or I can do a little better or whatever. And I just admired her so much. Um, you know, when, when we, I remember doing her bathroom and we had actual empty shelves in her, I mean, she had abundant storage, uh, you know, and there were empty shelves and she was just like, yes, right. this is, this is what I want for mm-hmm. me right now. And, uh, and it just felt like the Lord was leading her in that way. And I've definitely seen, even in my own, um, contractors. So the, the way I work is I, I'm the only actual employee of Peace but I have 12 contractors who mm-hmm. work for me. Um, one of them, even she's selling her house. <laughs> and because it's just been, she's just like, I can do things differently. I don't, I don't need this much house. I don't need this much to care take care of. And I think, you know, that's not for everybody. You know, that's, she's got three kids. It's not like she's got, you know, a humongous mm-hmm. family or something. So everybody's on their own journey. But for her, she's just like, she's learned so much working for me, um, that she's just like, I can do things a little differently and it's actually going to be easier on me to move to yeah. a smaller
0: house. Yeah. I so appreciate your insights and just bringing together the experiences of other people that you've worked with. And I would be curious to know if you have identified having worked with as many people as you have, if there are particular areas that seem to be the the high stress areas for people, um, whether it is, you know, junk mail piling up or laundry systems? What what do you think are the top stressors for most moms?
1: Oh gosh, for moms, I think it might be a little more of a complicated answer than you might be hoping for <laughs> because I, our mom guilt plays into this. Yes, it does. So one question I get a lot is what to do with papers and mail, but also um, school stuff, stuff that comes home from school, artwork, writing samples, you know, math worksheets. And I, I, I talked about this on my Instagram that that's where I'm uh, most active by the way. (laughs) I'll keep referencing it probably, but I talked on my Instagram about, um, about kids stuff. And I I have a certain way that I like to organize my kids things worth keeping. So, and, and when I say memory stuff, I mean the, the drawings, the, art samples, you know, things like that. I don't mean every memory in their entire life, but I keep these three boxes for each kid. Um, My goal is to hand them three boxes when they launch, when they get married or get their first job or whatever, and say, here's your your academic memories. And they're not very big. They're 12 by 12, so scrapbook paper size, um, and maybe I'm going to say three or four inches deep. Mm -hmm. And the ones lower elementary, uh, how did I do it? preschool slash lower elementary, then upper elementary and then beyond. Um, and so anytime there's a really good, you know, really representative, um, piece of writing, mm-hmm. I'll put that there. Mm-hmm. like, I love the stuff when they were or like, you know, what I want for Christmas or for mother's day, like my mom weighs 47 pounds and her- <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I love those
1: things. So I keep those usually. Um, and the rest I throw away. And I think that is the hardest thing for some people because they feel bad. They feel like they're not being a good mom. They don't know that other people are throwing things away. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the one that worked for me, we're, we're, I don't know if I would say savage, but we'll say savage. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> no. like, most, like, I'm never going to keep a math worksheet. I'm never keeping math. I'll keep writing and drawing. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, but like, to me, the value was at the time of the child doing it. There's value in it when they were working on it because now it has added to their education or whatever. And so once that time is over, it's I'm chunking it. Um, I will say when I talked about it last week on, on social media, I got probably 10 direct messages uh, saying, Hey, there's this app where you can take pictures of your kid's stuff and make it into a book. And then you don't feel bad about throwing it mm-hmm. away. And, I really, you know, to everybody who sent me that, I, I said, thank you. That's good to know. And by the way, there are yeah. a ton of different apps that do that. But but for me, I'm not going to do that. That's not how I want to spend my time. For some people that may feel really important to them. And there's probably some reason and then they should. But I think that there's freedom in not doing that as well. We are inundated with pictures. We're inundated with, um, you know, paper and mail and T-shirts that come home for fun runs and this and that. Like how much of our kids' childhood are we going to call sacred? And I think we just have to think really carefully about that and what that means for each of us. So I think that is a really difficult area for moms um, and, and to just feel okay with that.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think, too, it's really interesting for me as you say that, like I was kind of a keeper of things when I was younger. Like I had notes from friends. I had pictures from my classmates or things like that, that at this point in my life, I don't feel like those really mean anything to me anymore. (laughs) And. I think that letting go of certain things um, is healthy for us, not necessarily that we need to keep every last thing or even most things that I love how your parameters that you've set up for what you keep for your kids. I think that is going to be a huge gift to them when they get to a stage of being on their own and having these curated memories that really will be meaningful and without anything that's maybe not necessary. So...
1: I think the key word there is curated. Yeah, I think that these curations, they are the things that are telling the story of ourselves and of our kids. And what what is the story that I want them to understand? I mean, when I look through my own memories from childhood, pictures. I don't know how old y'all are. Um, I'm 42, and so when I was taking pictures back in high school, we were getting doubles. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, picture prints. And I have a lot of those doubles because turns out I didn't give them away. And a lot of pictures are bad or stupid or blurry, or it's not the story that I want to tell about my childhood. There are things that I'm just like, you know what, this was dumb and we're going to move on. And I'm, I'm not that person. And this isn't really what I want my kids to see. Uh, not in a in a shameful way by any stretch. It's just, hey, I'm moving on. I've, I've thrown away pictures from from my childhood for sure.
2: Yeah. I totally relate to that. I've got, I've got all the pictures up in the, up in the attic somewhere. I totally went through them during some pregnancy. I can't remember, but, um, I was wondering, like talking about curating our spaces and stuff like that. Can you talk a little bit about leading our children in that process? I have one, uh, son and I'm actually sitting in his room right now. So I'm really noticing it. Um, he just really likes to collect a lot of things. And it's, it's been an issue, you know, we'll find, we'll find, um, oh my gosh, all sorts of garbage on his bedside stand. And it's just his special things. And, and it really, it gets me. It's, (laughs) it's not the way that I roll. And I was just wondering if you had any insights into how to guide our children in these ways of keeping a peaceful space.
1: Yeah, that's so good. I think, I've got a lot to say about that one, actually. Um, <laughs> Go for it. I think what I was saying earlier about, you know, chunking the kids. And by the way, down here we say chunking. I know it's chunking, but down <laughs> south it was like chunking. So we chunk the kids. <laughs> papers. I it's love it. In that. I'm like, oh, guys, look, this math worksheet, we don't need that anymore. And they're like, no, we don't. And so we're doing, I'm having them put stuff in the trash can. Yeah. Um, and that one's easy for them. That's very, easy. not much sentiment involved. Um, with that. So that's a good baby step um, to help have them help with something easy. Um, I mean, I feel pretty strongly for myself that having young kids purge their bedrooms and stuff or playrooms is not a great idea. Um, For me, I, I just think that it's a lot of fiddle faddle. Like the kids are going to push back, or they're not going to understand, or you're going to feel bad. And so, generally, when I declutter kids' rooms, I do it by myself. Um, I do have one child who likes to keep special things as well, um, more so than the other two, way more than the other two. And it, it's an it's definitely an issue um, where I've gotten him little little storage things or little bins or little drawers that he can put stuff in. And that um, helps because then it's a limitation, right? Like he's got this little drawer unit on his um, desk and I'm like, these are for all your small things, like a fidget spinner, like a piece of metal you found by the railroad tracks. And he he'll put the stuff in there. And when it starts getting full, I can say to him like, Hey, we're running out of space. Let's, let's just go through this. Let's just see. And, and he, he's 10 now. So he is getting to the point where he can be like, Oh yeah, this is broken or dumb, or I thought I would like this and I don't. So he's starting to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, I think too, we have to hold on to the fact that our kids are going to keep getting older and maturing. And so they'll get better at that as we go. I mean, my 14 year old, gosh, we, I've only got four and a half years left of him at being at home. Um, so we're, getting there in terms of like all of his stuff and managing all of his stuff that that job will end in some capacity in the in the coming years so I I think the a trick too is to not freak out and be like this is how it's going to be the rest of my entire mm-hmm. life um so a couple other strategies that you can use to teach kids um I do like this one for involving them I'll I'll tell the kids I will pay them by the pound um <laughs> or stuff awesome. that they'll get rid of. <laughs> they, they know so well that I donate, I like to donate to the thrift store or I'll have um, someone who's got some connections with needy families. So I often give things to her. So they know it's going to someone who could use. And I try to say like this, we are so fortunate. And this is not okay with me that we have this much um, stuff that we don't use or love or whatever. And so I'll, I'll say, I want you to make this pile. We're going to weigh it for, you know, for every pound, I'll give you a dollar or whatever, $5 for all I care. I mean, I don't, it doesn't matter because I'm going to yeah. buy them stuff I need anyway. You know, I'm just right. recycling money to be honest. But, um, <laughs> so that's, that's one way. Um, and certainly if we find out that a great need, I'm like, Hey guys, there's someone who really needs some clothes. Let's look through and see, um, what clothes are in good condition that you're not wearing because we want to give it to him. And that that always feels better to, to adults too. If you know a person in need, somehow it's so easy to let go of these things, totally. um, which you know, I try to use that mentality for the thrift store too, because we have lots of awesome thrift stores and people do need those things. But I, I mean, I've certainly known clients who, they they're gonna they're gonna hold on to stuff with all their might, but um, then they find out a family has a fire and needs a bed frame. Yeah. Oh, I got a bed frame! It's up in the attic. You know they, they weren't gonna give it away unless they knew. It was so that's that's an issue to, that's kind of separate that needs to be dealt with. But you can use that to your advantage with teaching your kids.
0: Yeah. I totally did that when I had uh, all my baby clothes that I needed to pass on because at the time we thought we were done having babies, which was not the case. But at that time I was going through and I was just bawling my eyes out like these baby clothes are so little and sweet and sentimental and they meant so much to me. And I could not fathom just dropping them off at a donation center. I just couldn't do that. But I reached out to a mom that I knew who was expecting and I asked her, would you want these clothes and she was like of course that'd be amazing and for me just having that extra little like someone will value these the way that I have valued these um, was made it possible for me to let them go <laughs> which uh, is funny because I've com- kind of changed my tune since then um, and I don't feel quite as attached to the, the baby things but I think it is really kind of an interesting insight to see how our emotional state and sentimental connections can impact how we are able to pursue peace and decluttering our homes.
2: Yeah, Tara, how often do you come up against clients who are really resistant to giving things up and letting go? It's probably less often than you would think because people are paying us. (laughs) Um,
1: You know, they they are ready. They want to get, get rid of stuff. Um, and there are some people who will want to hold on and say, look, I'm going to give this thing to my sister and I'm going to mail this thing to my friend, you know, because of this very issue that we're talking about, because um, it's easier. But we're doing a massive declutter. I tried to them not to do that because it's going to spend their time like you're going to spend your time or you're going to pay for our time to do that is that how you want to spend it um so we try to get people to donate as much as possible and then later once you're in a maintenance phase then it then it's so much easier to say yes I'm going to mail this to my sister or you know whatever um for sure but yeah like if I've if sometimes I've done like um volunteer jobs or something and um that's the dynamics are a little yeah. different because um, you know maybe maybe they didn't want me there maybe it's their adult daughter who wanted me there and so there's tricky you know relationship stuff to navigate when someone doesn't want to get rid of stuff but mo- most of the time people are are ready. They're just sick of living how they've
0: lived, you know? Yeah, I'm wondering if you could talk about kind of a bigger picture vision for routines or systems to help with maintenance uh, after you maybe get through a giant purge, a giant declutter. Um, I have a friend who recently was telling me that she tries to go through uh, one room in her house each day of the week, which she's a stay-at-home mom and doesn't have other things tying up her time. So I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I don't know if I could do that. But I loved having just this idea in mind of of how she thinks about going from space to space within their home to kind of reset it to a place of peace. And do you have any strategies or tips or ways that you coach people to think about that more as an ongoing process um, so they can be successful at it?
1: When I said earlier, you know, a place for everything and everything in its place, I would even say designate a spot for those things that you're going to get rid of. So I think if you have a spot in your master closet, or for me, it's in my pantry. I have a, an exceptionally large pantry that's not really needed for pantry things. So I keep a bag or a box so that as I go mm-hmm. through my day or, or whatever, when I do see that thing and I'm like, this is silly. Why do I still have this thing? I can go immediately put it in the right spot. And then when that bag or box gets full, or I see my friend that I mentioned that, that knows some people in need, I can just give that to her, um, immediately and get it, get it going. I think if it helps someone to have a schedule, then that's awesome. Like this lady going through every, every day or so, um, probably once you've developed that habit, it's second nature and you don't really have to think about it anymore, but certainly you could set a reminder on your phone for like once a month. What if one Saturday month, you, um, just did a really quick sweep of toys and games. And maybe once a month, you do a really quick sweep of of bed linens and stuff. But once you've kind of developed the, I'll I'll call it the simplicity mindset, it's such second nature that I don't think you really, you're just not going to hold on to the extra pillows. You're going to go ahead and list those on Facebook and try to sell them. But by the way, nobody ever buys my stuff. So maybe just I won't even sell stuff on Facebook anymore. Just donate. Just donate.
0: <laughs> so I want to ask you a couple questions just about particular things that might be problem items or problem areas in our homes um, and just get your really quick response of a way that you could see those could be organized that might be um not necessarily the most expected way. Um, and so I'm going to think of a couple, I'm going to have Lynn try to think of a couple. Um, but I'm really curious, uh, just from your experience, what comes to mind when we talk about kids shoes? Oh, cause I have seven, I have seven children <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out, we don't have a mud room. We don't have, um, but how would you organize kids shoes?
1: Oh, I'll tell you what I've done, uh, for kids. Um, I don't have a mudroom per se. I have a laundry room where I ended up stacking the washer and dryer just so I could have space and I put a, two shoe organizers in there. I, I can't remember if it's from Walmart or Target, but it's the kind that's like a grid like with cubbies, small cubbies. And this one can hold either a pair of shoes or for my big kid, one shoe per cubby. And all of our shoes are there. I don't keep any shoes in the kids' rooms. Unless they're like too big and we're waiting to grow into them. So I think creating a, a faux mudroom might be kind of a good idea. Um, and also, I try to buy as few shoes as possible. Like let's do a pair of sneakers, a pair of dress shoes, and a pair of rain boots. I think that honestly, like the less is more approach, especially when you've got seven kids. I, I remember doing a house where I think they had four little girls. And I, if I had to guess, we didn't count. But if I had to guess how many pairs of kids' shoes they had, it, it was probably 60 or 70 pairs. And, you know, you, you look at these shoes in the store and you're like, these are so sweet, or my girls would look so cute. Nothing shoes. But I think you just have to really ask yourself, like, you know, you're going to rob Peter to pay Paul. So you may have cute matching kids, um, you know, but are you creating a situation where you're going to have 70 pairs of shoes? all over your
2: laundry room. Yeah, totally. Yeah, our laundry room has a really similar situation. And I think that's probably the place in my house where I get the most angry, just like you're saying. I love the shoe organizer idea. And then it's also just the space where we come in from the car. And so can you talk about what that could look like? Maybe just a few like one tip for like (laughs) my purse, my keys, the kids' backpacks. Like it's just such a mess let me ask you this do you have any hooks on the wall I do have some hooks but they are
1: full <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll tell you at my house I've got two banks of hooks and I think there's probably five actual hooks with three prongs each yeah um, it's kind of low so that when the kids were well actually still one of them <laughs> uh, you know, little, and yeah, so she you know. can hang her stuff there. And then the other ones up higher. And usually the grownups and the big kids hang coats and hats up there. Cause we constantly have lots and lots of, uh, coats and, and bags and stuff. So I say do as many hooks, get them anchored in that wall really, really good. Um, yeah. and go up high if you can, because like, yeah. you know, if you've got any teenagers or you and your husband, you can hang your stuff up real high and save the lower ones. Hmm. Um, I will say too, though, I keep an overflow. I do have a very tiny coat closet. And so my overflow is there for extra coats. So like, I don't keep raincoats in that right. on the, in the hooks. I put raincoats in the, in the closet. Cause we only use them, you know, once every couple weeks or something. Um, yeah. and then I've got on that shelf in that closet, I've got extra, um, scarves and extra whatever. so that I, you, you almost, if you are limited on space, you're going to have to rotate stuff
2: out. Uh, yeah. And that works for me. Hmm, that's great. Love that. Love it. Thank you.
0: Well, Tara, thank you so much for just sharing um, these tips. And I would love for our listeners to be able to find you online and connect with you more and learn from you. Where can they find you?
1: So the main place you can find us actively all the time uh, mm-hmm. is Instagram. Mm-hmm. My account is at house.peace. And that's kind of our fun spot where I do a lot of stories and tips and
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, Q&A and stuff like that. But for more detailed information about the business, my website is housepiece.net. Mm-hmm. And that's where if someone wanted like an online session or a hands-on in real life session, they can uh, find us there. And I've got lots of pictures there as mm-hmm. well like after Housepiece. Like this is what you can expect uh, with a full step yeah. job. You can um, kind of see the the picture of what
0: what you want for your own space. Hmm. Well, thank you so much. And I just want to give you an opportunity to say one last thing to the moms who are listening to our podcast, especially for moms who are maybe in the kids under 10 phase of little ones who maybe are not as helpful in the process of keeping a home tidy. What encouragement or advice would you give to moms who are just feeling buried?
1: I think the first thing that I would have wanted to hear in those years is it's going to be okay.
0: Hmm. If
1: you make it, you're going to be okay. Find mm-hmm. a girlfriend, find a company, find house piece, find someone who, if you're really buried, mm-hmm. can hold your hand in a loving and trusting way um, and walk with you through maybe getting some spaces organized. I will say this mm-hmm. getting rid of things. Just every time you get rid of something, just know this, that's, you're never gonna have to organize that thing again. Yeah, so, simplicity is, uh, is, for me, is the goal.
0: And mm-hmm. yeah, we're all gonna be okay and we're not alone and find, find someone, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Tara. We really appreciate you spending this time with us. And I hope that our listeners will go and check out your website and find you on Instagram and learn more from your experience as we all are pursuing peace in our homes. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you all so much. I really appreciate it.